we are going to look at the book of Colossians. And so if you can grab a pew Bible, it's on page 983, and I will be reading from Colossians chapter 1 and verses 15 through 20. Would you please stand as I read God's word? This is God's word in Colossians 1, 15 through 20. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself All things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. This is God's word. You may be seated. And it would be helpful to me if you could keep that open before you. We will continue to look at these specific and very dense phrases in Colossians 1. Sometimes when you meet someone, you don't know quite who it is that you are dealing with. And that is the way it is, I think, for many Christians who have met Jesus of Nazareth, who have believed in him, who have gotten to know him in certain ways. This uh, group of Colossians were a church that had never yet met the Apostle Paul, and yet they knew about who he was through one of the servants that had met Paul and brought the gospel to their town, a man named Epaphras. They were learning about this man, Jesus of Nazareth, who had lived, who had done ministry, and he had done miracles and teaching, and he died on a cross and he rose again. And when they heard this good news, they believed. And when they believed, their lives were filled with the marks of someone that has been joined to Christ in a union with Christ. They, they, the Apostle Paul had heard about them, that they had faith and hope and love, these things that come out of the life of a believer. And yet they needed to hear about him a little bit better. And this is something that we need as well. You see, we who have believed in him are in Christ. But sometimes life can be dangerous for us as Christians. Sometimes we need the bigger perspective of who he is that helps us and guards us against things as we walk through this world. Dangers that come into our lives that could derail us, that could hurt us. False teachings that could come at us and cause damage to us and to the church. And so what happens here in this passage of Colossians is the Apostle Paul takes us up, as it were, to give us this great perspective of who Jesus is. And the the big idea with this passage is this, that Jesus is the creator of all things. Yesterday, I went downtown in Toronto, and I went up in the CN Tower. 
And the views from there were amazing. And I looked around, and I could see, uh, I could see the waterfront. And I could see that everyone sort of went toward the waterfront for the day. There was a, there was a dense population along there. I could see the, the railroad tracks that came into the station. I could see the aquarium was right below us. I could see the different neighborhoods and the different districts, and I thought, this is a, this is a great city. And I could see how it was laid out. I saw the roads to where I, how I drove into the city. I could see the way back here to this area. And so that helped me because when I got back in my car to drive back, my GPS just wouldn't work. And so I thought, okay, well, I remember the neighborhood, how I got onto the highway. I think I can get back there. And as this, this flood of blue jerseys was coming into town and into the sports complex, I was sitting in the slow traffic and I got back on that highway and I was so pleased with myself. Without the GPS, I was able to find my way back here and it was glorious. It was like the old days before we had that guide from above. These Colossians were a group of people who believed the gospel. And what the Apostle Paul is giving them is what God the Holy Spirit is giving us today. That is, he is taking us up high, as it were, and giving us this big perspective, not of the city of Toronto, not of this area of Ontario, but of who the Lord Jesus is. And this is really important for us because a clear view of Christ the Creator will guide you and protect you as you live in Him. So who is He? Well, this passage will show us that He is the Creator of all. But as we look at Him from this perspective, we will see specifically in two parts that He is the Creator of all things that are created. And then, and that's in verses 15 through 17, and then in verses 18 through 20, we will see that Christ is the creator of the new creation. Let's look at this passage together. Starting in verse 15, it says that he is the image of the invisible God. The image of the invisible God. Now, why would he use that phrase? As we are looking at Christ from this great vista, what we get is this phrase that he is not seeable, this phrase he is invisible, God is. But it says that Jesus, that, that Christ, this Jesus of Nazareth, is the image of the invisible God. Now what does he mean by that? I think it could be most clearly understood by something that the same apostle wrote in the book of 1 Timothy, where he says this, 1 Timothy 6.16, this is God, this God who dwells in unapproachable light whom no one has ever seen or can see. So the question comes up, what does God look like? Uh, how can we see God? Well, the answer is, in completeness, you can't. You're not able to. Whom no one has ever seen or can see. You see, the glory of God is too great. The fullness of who he is is so big that you cannot, of your own strength, see him unless and until he reveals himself to you. And in those ways, you are able to see him. God is so holy, and yet he sent the Lord Jesus to most fully reveal, to show us this is who God is. This is what he is like. 
So that in John 14, when Jesus is talking to his disciples, and it's the night before he's crucified, he's saying that he's going to go away. And one of his disciples, Philip, says, he says, just show us the Father, and that will be enough. And Jesus says, he points to himself, he says, have I been with you so long, and you don't know me? Now, the disciples are asking, we want to see God. And Jesus is saying, if you've seen me, you have seen God. You've seen the Father. He is in me, and I am in him in such a way that when we look at Jesus in the scriptures, when we look at Jesus as he is revealed, we are seeing what God is like. We are seeing his true character. Now it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4 that this is not naturally understood. This is something that has to be uh, given to us. We have a blindness. In that passage, we see that God has to break through the blindness that we have, this darkness in which we are still held. Because Satan keeps prisoners bound and blind from seeing the, the light of the glory of God in the gospel. We were all blind and we were still in darkness until this light came to us. You see, we're not just held in the, the bonds of sin when we are unbelievers. We are also blinded. And this one image that the gospel gives us is that it comes like light. When Jesus is revealed, he shows us what God is like, and we see good news. And that is what frees us from that bondage. Therefore, friends, you need to see Christ. We need to see Christ. I want you to remember this as we are up here on this high vista looking at the Lord Jesus as our creator. Make it your highest priority to hear and apply Christ revealing preaching and teaching from the Bible. Every Sunday you should sit in these pews. You should fill up your phone with good podcasts so that when you have time through your week you can hear it. You can make it your discipline in your home to open up the Bible and to learn how to read it and to understand it in light of who Christ is. And so this next phrase is this. He's the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn over all creation. Now, I've been very helped by a commentator named Doug Moo to explain this, this phrase, firstborn. And it says firstborn over all creation. So everything that has been made, Jesus is firstborn. Well, what does that word mean, that he's the firstborn? If we were to say someone is the firstborn, we might think of the first child that is physically born within a family. Well, it has a lot more meaning than that. The meaning is this, that just like in old times, in other cultures, the firstborn would be the one that has authority over the entire estate, the one who will inherit the throne, the one who has um, the ownership and the authority and the responsibility to govern and to rule all of the estate, and above which, over what is Jesus the firstborn? over all creation. And this points us to something that is massive. He is a person uh, who has authority and lordship. And it says that this is for him over all creation. He is the Lord of all of this. Therefore, let one of your daily prayers be a connection with the one who is ruling and reigning over all things. One of your daily prayers should be this that he 
uh, would guide you and help you in your work, in your relationships, and in the responsibilities that you have in your life. He is the firstborn over all creation. There's nothing that is outside of his rule and his reign. And so we get to verse 16. And again, we're looking down from this great vista of who Christ is and seeing the glory of him from this great perspective. There's a reason for this. He is firstborn over all creation for a reason. It says in verse 16, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, both visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. This is, this is a big picture perspective. In him, all things were created because he is the firstborn. He is the Lord, the creator. And when we say all things, what we mean by that is all things. So let's, let's take a glance at what all things in creation means. It says in heaven and on earth, things that are visible, things that are seeable, and things that are not seeable. There is a world that we see and that is observable visibly, but there is also a whole world that is invisible. There are angels, there are demons, there are things that we cannot see, but they exist. And over these all, he rules. There are thrones and powers and rulers and authorities. When I was a young boy, a telescope was launched by NASA called the Hubble Telescope. It was in 1990. When that was launched and then it was put in place, we began seeing images of our universe that are incredible and amazing. We got a great perspective. Well, this past Christmas, NASA launched a new telescope, and this project was called the James Webb Space Telescope. And from about Christmas week, I'm not sure if it was right on Christmas Day, but it was around Christmas time this past season, and for the last four months, this, this big new telescope has been positioning itself, adjusting the lenses and its position so that it can see deeper and more clearly into space. And this is a fun thing. Two weeks ago, they finally got it all um, calibrated so that we can see these new images. Now, whenever you look into space, you can see these images online. You just look up the James Webb Telescope, and you'll start seeing these images. It was a four-month process to get it in place. What we know about the universe is what we can observe. Sometimes we observe sounds, but most of what we observe in the universe is what we can see. And so with that, we can measure the physics of things happening in other parts that are so far away. Did you know that what we can see shows us that the universe is 93 billion light years in diameter, so from end to end of what we can see? Our Earth rotates one time per 24 hours within this. The Earth circulates around the sun one time per, per about 365 days. The sun is a small star with massive amounts of hydrogen changing to helium on its surface at a massively fast rate at more than 5,600 degrees Celsius. I did that in Canadian. <laughs> we, that, down, in the sta- down in the States, we would say 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit, but not here. And our sun, plus eight planets orbiting the sun, uh, makes up our solar system, which this solar system, which is rotating, is traveling through our universe at a rate of 134 miles per second. That's an American. One of the 
One of the engineers, one of the scientists on this James Webb Space um, Telescope Project, Scott Acton, said this, and this was from an interview two weeks ago, these images have profoundly changed the way I see the universe. We are surrounded by a symphony of creation. He's using Christian language. I love it when that happens. A scientist. There are galaxies everywhere, he says. And then he says, it is my hope that everyone in the world can see them. So neat. There are 200 billion stars in our Milky Way galaxy alone. This is incredible. Six billion of these have systems. That's like a star with planets orbiting around them. At least 125 billion galaxies are the visible universe. So how do we know all of this? It's just what we can see. It's just what is visible. Friends, this is an incredible thing that that God's word is saying to us. Jesus rules over all of these. He has lordship over everything that is both visible and invisible. Does that stretch your mind? It does for me. When I went up in the CN Tower, I just felt a little bit like I could worship because I could see more of God's greatness and what he has made, the wisdom that he's given to men to to design such a great city. That's how we know all of these things. Jesus is the firstborn over all that is visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers, all of these things are under him. Therefore, when you look at God's creation, you can just smile. And you can say, he made all of this, and I love it. And you can remember this, too, that he who made all of this and who rules all of this, he cares for you. He cares and loves you. This great one, all things have been created through him and for him, it says. Now, this little phrase is interesting And there's a preposition where it says through him and for him. That preposition for him is interesting because it says, it it literally would be translated this, uh, in this way, that all things were created through him and into him. Now, what is the point? The point, again, is to show the greatness of Christ. Jesus was not created within this great universe. This great universe was created within him. He is God. Amazing. Jesus, God the Son, is supreme over all creation. And now we get to verses 17 and 18. Look at verse 17 first. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And because all things hold together, he holds all of the atoms, all of of the parts of your physical body, every cell, And your heart keeps beating and your hands keep moving and your lungs keep breathing. Why? Because he makes it happen. He is is actively ruling so that you are physically alive. All these things that are happening, all these things that are existing are because he makes it so. He had the whole world um, and he has the whole world in his hands, just like that children's song. I'll preserve you and protect you from me singing it. But he's got the whole world in his hands. Well, this means also that he has everything that's happening 
in nations over, his, over, over this whole world, they are in his hands as well. So things that are happening in Washington, D.C., and over in Ukraine and Moscow, at Parliament Hill in Ottawa, he is the one who is controlling all of these things. He is ruling all of them. So that sinful man will continue to do sinful things. We who call on his name have hope, and we have a sense of stability in this world. While the nations rage, brothers and sisters, while these things uh, shake this world, this gives us a sense of stability. And do you know why? Because he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So when the nations rage, and when all of these things are shaken, and when evil men do their worst, they can only do as much as he allows And so you have hope and you have encouragement. Why? Because you can remember this, that he holds it all together. And whatever he ordains, that is right and good. Our hope can be beyond the things of this world because we know that he is also good. And he has a future and a hope for us. Now, verse 17 links with verse 18. This is sort of the hinge of these verses. And what you see is this, that after he says that he's before all things and in him all things hold together, verse 18, and he is the head of the body, the church. Now, down to verse 17, and verse 17 summarizes that Christ is the creator. Verse 18 at the beginning, this summarizes what follows, that Christ is the creator of a new creation, Now, we've talked about things that are created so far, and that is things that are physical and things that are invisible. What this is telling us is this, that he is making a new creation. We actually sang about it this morning. I loved that that one song that sounded kind of uh, of like that folksy tune. Um, I'm not sure what the title was. It was a new song to me. So it says this, and he is the head of the body, the church. Now when it says church here, he's using a word that these Colossians, and we should be familiar with. This little word here refers to a gathering of believers. And it might be just a a small gathering. I wonder if that Colossian church was even as big as this gathering here, Maple Avenue Baptist Church. But what he's saying to them and what he's saying to us is this. He has a special eye, and he's doing something very important with gatherings like this. He uses this word a couple times in Colossians, and then he uses it in the book of Philemon to refer to this group of new believers that gather together in Jesus' name to worship God. And what he is telling them is that at the very center of his new creation work is us. You know, in this world, we can sometimes be down at street level and we can lose perspective because the things of this world seem so big and they seem so important. But you know what? He is doing something with his people in this world that is incredibly exalted, that is incredibly significant, and it is eternally significant. Brothers and sisters, Jesus, this Jesus, it says, is our head, He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body. That's language that he uses for how we are connected to him. The way that a body has physical members that are connected to it. 
The Christian church and gatherings of saints around this world, we are connected to God the creator in a very unique and privileged way. And this is good. We are part of the body if we are Christians. We are part of the body and we have one head. In him we have life. In him we have connection to him and to this new creation. And we are welcomed into it. He is in charge. He is guiding us and he is doing something here. Brothers and sisters, we need this big perspective of who he is and what he is doing because while the things of this world are happening, it can seem like such a clown world. It can seem like such a dangerous place. It can seem like such a place that as much as we continue to grow in Christ, we are not at our our home in this world. But what we see in this is that he has a plan for us through this world and beyond this world. We are his people. And, and, and in, in this greater Toronto area, how, how significant are we? I mean, most of the people in this whole area don't know that we're even gathering here this morning. And many other clusters of believers in this area, it's the same. But we are his precious bride. He loves us in a unique way. And he is doing something in us and among us and through us for his new creation. This is something amazing. And he's doing this in him. We are put together. We are fit together because of something that he did. Making this new creation. Starting with us. So we continue verse 18. He is the beginning, the firstborn. There's that phrase again. Remember we saw that phrase up in all that is created, visible and invisible? Now he uses this phrase again down here. The creator of this new creation. He is starting this new creation with us. He's the firstborn, it says, from the dead. Whenever it says these little phrases, he is the beginning. This is Genesis language. When he created all things... He used his words. Now he is doing a new creation, and he is the firstborn of this new creation. Again, this firstborn uh, language says that he rules and he owns all that is. But now he's talking about the church, and he's talking about new creation. How did he do this? By rising from the dead. See it there? The firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. His resurrection, brothers and sisters, Jesus, this Jesus of Nazareth, that when people met him on the street looked like any other man. When these Colossians and when we have been learning about him in little bits through the scriptures, we have seen him, that he's the redeemer that saves us. And now he's showing us this, that when he died and that when he was raised again, he was leading a group of people. He was the first one that leads all of us, the firstborn from the dead, a people that are, are finding new life and have new life in him. Jesus overcame death when he came alive again. And this is what life in him is like. It's new creation life. Now, it says why he rose from the dead and why he is the firstborn over creation. There's a reason. So that in everything he might have the supremacy. Supremacy, he is supreme in everything. All of creation 
visible and invisible, and all of new creation. That was in our call to worship as well. The things of this world are being and will be shaken, and they will change. And so we hold on to what is unshakable and what is eternal because he has supremacy over the first creation, which he made with his words. Now he's making a new creation. And look at what he did to do this. He came and he took a body. He went and he died in a tomb. He was on the cross and he was buried in a tomb. And then his heart started beating again. His lungs started breathing again and he came to life again. And because he lives, we also do not have to fear the grave. And so that's what he's telling us here. Therefore, he must have supremacy, brothers and sisters, in your life. In your relationships, he must be supreme. You see, the Christian life is always looking to Jesus, knowing that he rules over all. And so we are aligning our lives with him. What you watch on television, what your heart loves, in your finances, in your leisure, in your work, in your, in your career, in your goals, in the things that you love, you should align those all with his supremacy in your life. Now, not everyone yet recognizes his supremacy. Not yet. The scripture tells us that a day will come when every knee will bow and everyone will recognize and profess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Verse 19 then, it says, For in him, this little phrase, in him, is a phrase that that we see in the New Testament a lot. It refers to a believer and the Lord Jesus Christ being joined in a union. Just like a husband and a wife are made one, the believer and the Lord Jesus Christ are made one in a union. And that's what it means to be a Christian. So it says again, in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. This is showing us that he who has supremacy over all, who is the creator of all creation and of all new creation, that he has all fullness in him, who is God eternal. He came and took on a body. He was incarnated. Now, when we, when we worship as Christians, we worship God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three persons, one God. And we see him so clearly revealed in the Lord Jesus. And what we see here is that he came and he took on a body so that he would have supremacy over all of us and over all that he is making in this new creation. God the Son joined all his godness to a physical body forever. This Jesus of Nazareth, he is now glorified, but he has joined himself to us so that we can be joined to him in these things. This is the same that we see later in this book in in chapter 2, verse 9. It says, for in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Now it says this, that um, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to, recognize, to, to reconcile to himself all things. The fullness that is in him, he has given to us as grace. It says in John 1:16 that from his fullness we've all received grace upon grace like waves on the sea. I love that this church in, in the prayer that Pastor James said and let us in, there's a time of confession of sin. Do you know why I love that? Because, well, it's not there in every church. 
But we need to remember that all of our lives are laid bare before God, and we need to know that in honesty, we should regularly be confessing our sins and relying on him because from his fullness, we receive grace and grace. Brothers and sisters, if there is some sin that is weighing on you, that, that makes, you, makes you think that you are separated and, and far from God, you need to see this and realize that as he is making you his new creation, your faith being in him, his grace will never end in coming to you. Something that we said this week with the men who are here to grow in preaching was this, that there is more grace in Christ than there is sin in you. And so you will always be welcomed back. You will always be washed clean in him as you return and receive forgiveness. Therefore, continually rely on him. Always rely on him. Don't ever get off to think, I've got this one, Jesus. No, no. Before everything that you do, you should ask for wisdom. You should ask for his blessing. Uh, As you walk through your days, you should always rely on him. From him is what you need most. Actually, the thing that you need most is peace with God. And in him, we see here at the end, that he was pleased, God was pleased in him to reconcile all things to himself. And I believe that that means to rightly align all that is disjointed and all that is messed up. And we who are rightly aligned to him in Christ have this peace with God. He is the mediator in his reconciling work. He is doing that right now. In fact, Jesus' ministry right now in heaven is to look down at us who call on him and to provide us with what we need. This is his high priestly role. We need to be reconciled to him, and then we need his provision and protection as we go. So this is for things on earth and things in heaven. Do you see that phrase again in verse 20? whether on earth or in heaven. And how did he do this? By making peace by the blood of his cross. All things being reconciled to him. This peace with God is something that is our our great treasure. And here's a question for you. You might be here, and you might have been a part of this fellowship for a while, and yet all these things I'm talking about are not familiar to you. You don't know what it is to see Christ in this way yet, but maybe you're getting this glimpse today, and maybe he is breaking through the darkness and showing you the light of the glory of God in the, in the gospel, in this message about Christ. And here's the question for you. Are you, have you been reconciled to God in Christ? The way that you know is this. Do you rely on yourself for coming to God for being able to stand before him? Or do you rely on this person who died on that cross in your place and rose again to give you life? That is at the very heart of of being a Christian. He did what he did on that cross to make peace for you. Therefore, you can turn from sin. You can turn from the chaos of this world and you can have peace with God in him. He did this all to make peace. His his atoning sacrifice in his body, pouring out his life. Why? Because he's the Lord, the creator of all creation, and he is making a new creation right now 
If you turn to him, you will have peace with God and you will be a part of his new creation, peace with God. Sometimes you do not know quite who it is you are dealing with. May this view of Christ that we have seen here together as God the creator guide you and protect you as you live in him. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, uh, we have opened up your word and we ask that as we have looked at it, uh, that you would, we ask that you will work in us, give us this grand view of the Lord Jesus Christ, of all that he has done and what he is doing, and let it be a guide to us as we travel through our days in this world. In Christ's name we pray, amen.